Welcome to WeChat Divorce with Karen Shalou, Legal Liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, CDFA, co-founders of My Divorce Solution, the company that delivers the quintessential financial blueprint to couples facing or going through the divorce process. This blueprint, known as the MDS Financial Portrait, establishes the foundation and options an individual or couple would need to make clear financial decisions when considering divorce. Each podcast, Catherine and Karen sit down with divorce professionals and other individuals who provide insight and frank discussion about real people, real situations, and real divorce. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Today, we are here to chat with Michelle Dempsey about overcoming the divorce is death mindset. Michelle is an author, divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, co-parenting mama to Bella, and will have her first book published this fall by Simon & Schuster. Her passion is to enlighten and empower women. Michelle, on your website, you say, above all else, however, I am a mommy to my one-year-old daughter, Bella, a nine-year-old dog baby, Blue, a wife to my partner in crime, Elliot, a daughter, a sister, and a best friend. I need coffee, wine, and Pilates to function, not usually at the same time, and I love long, lazy beach days, binge-watching Netflix shows, going into Target for one thing and leaving with 15. How many of us have done that? Mexican food, sushi, and sleep. Lots and lots of sleep. I love that, Michelle. And we are so happy that you're here to chat with us about how to reframe our thoughts and our mindsets to feel confident again, because divorce is not death. Let's get to it. Welcome, Michelle. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Uh, We're so happy you're here today to talk with us about overcoming the divorce is death mindset. I love to be here to talk about just that. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. Why is that one of your favorite things to talk about? I think, you know, from early on in my split, I think, you know, the the way I was approached by people in regard to my divorce was so mournful and, you know, like I should have been dressed in black and crying in a corner. And it always amazed me how non-divorced people would say, oh, I'm so sorry for your divorce. So terrible. Oh, you couldn't wait until Bella was older. Oh, you didn't want to work it out. You know, things like that. And the whole, of course, you know, oh God, I'm so sorry because divorce is such a death. And then all the divorced people I knew were like, congratulations. And so I think, (laughs) you know, for, (laughs) for people who had never experienced it before, granted I hadn't, personally, but my mom had, and I watched that her go through it as a child. I think the notion of divorce to some people is so terrible and so awful. And they could, they compare it to a death because yes, it's essentially the ending of a relationship, but you're still very much alive. And so is your ex and you still have to co-parent with this person. So what death, like the relationship is still there. It's just there in a different way. And I feel like putting divorce into that negative box 
eliminates the opportunity for you for you to see it as a rebirth or an opportunity to start fresh or write a new chapter or reestablish what your relationship might look like with your ex now as you move forward as co-parents. So I am not into the whole divorce is death mentality. You know, yeah. I totally believe that. I, I feel the same exact way. I know others do not. However, I remember people saying to me, oh, I'm so sorry. And I thought, really? Because if you knew what I was living like, you wouldn't be so sorry. Exactly. You know? and, and, and then those same people, some of them today are divorced. So were they sorry that I was going through it and they weren't able to go through it at the time? Um, so it really always made me feel uncomfortable. Right. And here's what I've noticed, Catherine, the people who were most critical or not trying to be critical, but had the most to say about my divorce, had the most questions or, and you didn't want to work it out. And like, you know, mm -hmm. you, you didn't want to stay longer for the kids. What I've come to realize is that those were projections from their own emotions and, you know, what came to be of their splits. Like you said, they, they were questioning me because they wanted to hear from me, like, no, don't get divorced. Yes, I could have stuck it out. Yes, you know, we could have stayed together for the kid, but that wasn't the case. And it's just ironic to see the people who had the most opinions or, or the ones who disappeared. I call them the flockers and the yeah. fleers. Like you have the flockers that. and the fleers. And I just wrote about this in my book. You have two sets of people in your divorce. The people who like jump on you for all the details right. and make comments and criticism and want to know everything. And the people who flee and very often you're going to find both of those people in both of those categories that ends up in the same situation as you oh i i totally agree with that as well you said something um well i have plenty of flockers and fleers that's that's great i love those terms um but the other question was always to the married from my married friends who i thought were friends said aren't you afraid you're going to be alone you're gonna be alone forever like that's projection because no, they might projection. they might not be okay with the concept of being alone, but alone and lonely are two very different things in my opinion. And I talk about that all the time. You know, alone can be a beautiful thing. Alone can be an afternoon to yourself where everybody's leaving you alone and you can just watch your TV, read your book, eat your snacks. Lonely though is when you don't find the beauty in being alone. And that's, you know, fearful for some women because society tells you, you have to have a partner, you have to have a teammate, you have to have somebody to carry you to the finish line. But honestly, you really don't. And it was once I dropped that mindset of, oh God, I need somebody that I did find the perfect partner, which was ironic, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, getting comfortable with that aloneness yeah. is, is a foreign concept for a lot of people because society will tell you it's bad, but in hindsight, it was the best thing for me to be alone. Yeah. And you know, some of those fleers, I know from my experience, for some reason they thought I was, or divorce was contagious. Yeah. To my friends who were married, you know, oh, I don't know, he doesn't want you to come over or we have to meet not at my house anymore because I, I truly think that they, their spouse especially thought it was something contagious. But even more than that, when people have that divorce is death mindset, think of how that transfers to the children. If you have that or you allow that energy into your home or into your relationships, they're carrying that then that, oh, you know, my mom or my dad um, did a terrible thing or did something that's not good for the family. And then what do they do with that emotion? 
it creates such inner turmoil for children. And I've seen it with some of my clients and even people I know personally um, who can't get out of that like victim mindset. Like, well, daddy left me and it's so hard. Kids shouldn't be shielded from everything, but you know, to, to make them all of a sudden have to feel, okay, well, I love my daddy, but he, I know he hurt my mommy. So should I love my daddy? Is he a bad guy? He's half of me. I don't want to be a bad person right away. That creates an anxiety and a, and a inner battle in a child that they shouldn't have to be fighting. So I'm a big fan of cry if you need to cry, mourn if you need to mourn, whatever you need to do to get the feelings out so that you can move on, do it, but don't make your children a part of that. You know, children benefit from seeing you alone if alone is where you can be resilient. And, and I think a lot of people are worried that the lack of a spouse is really going to impact the child so negatively when research shows that all children need uh, to thrive is one stable parent or caregiver. Absolutely. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. The consistency and um, even moving forward through life, we all have to make critical decisions about a whole host of relationships. And so will our children. And when they see examples of us making good decisions for the betterment of the entirety of the family, it, it enables them to make good decisions for themselves as well. Right. Yeah. It always, it always baffles me when we have um, a client come in and say, well, my children told me that I shouldn't take this, these dollars. I shouldn't ask for this money from their dad. Uh, you know, their dad tells me that mommy's taking all of my money that now we're broke. You know, I'm broke. I can't do this. So even involving your children in any kind of financial discussions is inappropriate. I mean, our kids, their burden is not our problems, right? They're not. I remember being a kid and, um, the money literally whenever my dad did give it, which was few and far between would go through me. Like I'd get out of the car, he'd drop me off. He'd hand me a check to give to my mom. And, you know, then sometimes I'd come in without the check and my mom would be like, did he give you the check? And so I always knew that like he owed her money or like, I, it was, it was a very awkward position to be in. And of course, you know, I don't think they put me in it to be hurtful, but they just didn't know better. And it just yeah. it sticks with you. My mom was telling a story just recently how she had to get on the subway at two or three times a week to go to her dad to ask for the money for my grandmother. And I'm like, that is just so awful to do that, you know, but that's awful. what we do. And, and, you know, the lesson of being lonely and alone is such a good lesson to teach our children too at such young ages, because I can remember saying, I'm in such a lonely marriage. I'd rather be single and lonely than married and lonely. Um, but then when I became single and I would just sit in because I did have a lot of friends who stayed with me that would check on me and invite me out with their spouses and so forth. And I said, I'm so good being home. Like I, I want to watch a movie all by myself. My son's out, my daughter's at school. I enjoyed that time of being alone. And it didn't mean I was lonely. And I kept saying, just because I'm alone doesn't mean I'm lonely. Um, and it's good for our kids to learn that now too. Um, just dealing with the pandemic alone, you realize how much alone time we all have. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you said it earlier, which I loved, is just enjoying that, loving that that time you have for yourself. What yeah, you I I read something recently, and I've done a lot of work um, in around trauma and resilience because I did a lot of work to heal from my own traumas, and I have found, you know, 
the most resilient people are the people who have been able to take the lessons from their past and move forward. But something I came across was how keeping yourself busy all the time and, and the inability to sit alone with yourself is a trauma-based response. And it's really just avoiding what's going on inside of you. You, you are so uncomfortable with so much and maybe you're harboring so much in your subconscious that doesn't even come to light every day that that's where alone feels so uncomfortable. And I used to be that person. My mom always would say, my God, you can't just sit still. You can't just have a night alone back before I even married my first husband. Like I was always on the go, always had a plan. If I didn't have a plan, I had to make one. It was because I was too uncomfortable with so all of my undealt with stuff that I distracted from it by staying busy. And that's, that's not the way to go about things. Sure. Once in a while, you want to get out and take your mind off things, of course, but making that a constant instead of making the time for yourself a constant is completely unhealthy. So what are three steps somebody could take to shift their mindset from feeling like their divorce is death to making it more as a new beginning? I think the first step always is to grieve your pain, right? So I'm, I'm never going to say, oh, your marriage is over, get over it, be happy. No, you have to acknowledge that that sucks. A divorce sucks. Nobody wants to mm -hmm. go through it. It's hurtful. It's painful. It's, you know, the dismantling of a whole life, connections, friendships, plans. It's a lot to process. So it's hard. And you have to give yourself time to process it because you're not going to be able to see the other side as an opportunity until you can like release all the feelings, you know, feel the feels as I like to say. So I, I truly think that's step one. Um, and I see so many women that I work with because I help them through the transition want to go from zero to 60, like, okay, it's over. I'm fine. I'm going out with friends. I'm good. And I'm like, <laughs> Call me in two weeks when you can't get out of bed in the morning, because the more you try to ignore it <laughs> and the true. more you try to be okay, the harder it's going to be and the, and, and, and the harder it'll come back to bite you. So grieve, be alone, feel shitty, you know, cry watching. I, I used to lay in bed after my split and watch the affair. Um, that was the show that like I binge watched first. And it was just such a, such a poignant time in my life because it was like, I was feeling things through this show. It was so well-written. I loved it, but also like tapping into my own unhappiness and just, I don't know, I was icky for a while, but that icky place, you know, they say you have to uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's mm -hmm. really where I think you need to be in the beginning stage of a marriage. Let it happen. Let yourself feel shitty. Don't try to avoid it. And then you move forward. And the second thing I think would be to really harness the idea, like get it in your head and repeat it to yourself daily that now you have a new opportunity, whether you wanted to be in this situation or not, see this new stage in your life, new marital status as an opportunity. You know, marriage is unfortunately for so many women, their whole lives, when in reality, it's just a small part of our lives. And if you come out of a marriage after 20 years and you're like, I don't even know who I am anymore, it's because you've made that marriage your whole life. Now you can make your life your own. And maybe, you know, marriage fits into it later on down the road. You find somebody who fits your life. But this is the opportunity that you have to give yourself that not everybody gets. And so I think that's a really special thing. Yeah, I, I remember 
every day in Hilton Head and I would ride my bike there every single day as soon as my daughter went to school when I was here and I would just look into the ocean. And when I, even now to this day, when I look into the ocean, I think endless possibilities because as I was crying, not knowing what I would do next, um, I just thought there are so many endless opportunities out there for me and I'm going to seize them, you know, and that's what got me through it. Um, just knowing that and then hence here, here we have my divorce solution. Right. So who knew at 44, I'd become an entrepreneur. And it's funny now because this was my first Thanksgiving where I ordered a pre-made turkey. You know, I was just, I was that mom that cooked all the meals and did all mm -hmm. the stuff this year. My daughter's like, mom, why did you ever cook a turkey? This was fabulous. <laughs> you know, it was That's all done. So I got funny. to go during the day and eat in the afternoon. <laughs> right. There's, there's certain pressures that we put on ourselves, I think in, in marriage that are now lifted, right? Like, um, I remember always wanting to look perfect when my husband got home from work. And even if it got ignored, I just put that kind of pressure on myself or, you know, whatever it was. And I, I really took comfort in just being, you know, like bra off, hair up, nobody at home to like criticize or why are there dishes in the sink, putting on whatever music I wanted to put on. That was really powerful for me. The sense of this is my life now and I'm going to do it my way. Um, mm -hmm. And then the third thing I always, I always say to shift the mindset, you really have to acknowledge the feelings again, but do it through a form of, you know, for me, it's always been journaling. None of my clients get away without having to journal. Right now we're doing actually a 30 day journaling challenge because answering certain questions, putting it out on paper really helps you to physically, like it's science, physically, take something and release it. Like when you write something down, it's when you make a to-do list, now you're not forgetting because you have a to-do list. So if you take your journal and you write about the things you hope to bring into your life in the next couple of years, or write about the changes you know you need to make personally, or how you can be healthier, what you can do to feel happier, putting that out there sort of holds you accountable and helps shift you into a, a mindset of, looking ahead instead of just like, man, what now? You know, so yeah, uh, those I'm are my three journaler. things. I'm a huge journal journal. I do tons of journals. Um, and you know, it's something about it. It, it happens if you write it down, you know, it's, yes. it's, it's a path to get there. Yes. I'm not like a woo woo spiritual person, but I, I do totally believe the universe helping you manifest what you deserve. And if you put it out there, like I always knew, even in my first marriage, as it was imploding, that like my perfect man was out there. I didn't care when it was going to happen. I was very happy to be alone after my split, but I, I kind of always knew I'd be getting married again. And I really, in my head knew what he would look like. Like I just knew all of these things and it came to fruition because I would write about it. I did yeah, something, um, I did <laughs> something so completely out of character couple of months before my marriage ended. And I, I was just writing about it for the book and I was like laughing at myself. So I had a girl that worked for me and she's like, you need to go see an energy healer. And I was like, huh? Like, come on, I'll go to the spa. <laughs> I'll get a massage. I'll get a manicure, pedicure. I, I don't know about an energy healer. And she's like, I'm telling you, you need to go see this woman. So you know, when you're down and out, you'll do anything to try and feel good. And that's how I felt at the end towards the end of my marriage. So I remember getting in the car, I drove like an hour and a half to the stranger's house in the middle of, I don't know, it was another county far from Miami. And I knock on her door and the whole time I'm thinking like, the fuck am I doing? 
Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> and she opens the door and she was like everything you'd imagine her to be. She was wearing like scarves and like a long like duster. And she had like a thing in her hair, like just this, this character of a personality. She was beautiful and warm and she smelled like patchouli. And so did her house had like different colors on every wall. And she like brought me into her little studio and she laid me down, did all this Reiki and sound healing and all sorts of things. But at the end of it, she said, I'm going to leave the room. I'm going to give you a piece of paper and a marker. I want you to write a note to yourself for what, where you see yourself five years from now. And so I wrote this note and she said, I want you to stick it on your bathroom mirror. And I did. And I kept it there until I moved in with my now husband. And it was literally, it was like, you will be a published author. You will have the man of your dreams. You will have clients who rely on you for their help, for help. And I, I remember putting it on my bathroom mirror, like, oh my God, I hope my friends don't see this. And it was amazing to me how all of those things that I told myself I deserved came to fruition. Yeah, I, I believe that. That's a fabulous story. I love that, Michelle. Thank you. You know, I work with a lot of the clients and they're budgeting post-divorce and moving on. And I, I see that budgeting is a form of journaling. It's recording what the it is and That's where a really you want to be point. and how you're going to be CEO as you're moving ahead and you get to choose how you spend or save or otherwise every single penny. So yep. I've just made that connection in our discussion here. But I truly believe that budgeting is a form of journaling. I think that's- It totally awesome. is. It's setting yeah. an intention. And, yeah. and then you, you tend to hold yourself to it. You know, I, I, that's why I'm doing this challenge with my Moms Moving On community members, because when you set the intention to do something and, and each journal prompt every day is intentional, right. it totally helps you shift. It, it helps you think way outside where your brain mm -hmm. tends to get stuck. So I love that. Right. And there's no it's reason to get stuck. It's like an accountability yeah. for yourself. You know? Listen, I really have reached a point in my life where I have no patience for people who don't take accountability for their actions, um, mm -hmm. like ex-husbands. And, you know, <laughs> say you're wrong when you're wrong. Like, you know, say you, you drop the ball when you drop the ball, like hold yourself accountable. It's so important to be a better person that way. Right. It's so good for your kids to see that. Yeah. And, it and makes you're not so much more relatable. Yeah. Sorry about that. Can I, can I tell you another story about the energy healer real quick? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. So I saw her, we wrote the bathroom mirror note. I was like in shock for days after we met over like the fact that I even went and did this. I, I spent like $300. I didn't know what kind of a waste of money it was. And then fast forward a couple of months, I get separated and I move into this new space with my daughter. And I loved it. I loved my apartment. It was a townhouse. We set it up like girl power. And it was everything I wanted to buy from home goods. I didn't have to answer to everybody. It was like a mishmash of stuff. And I'm like, you know, somebody, my employee was like, you should call Lillian to come and sage your new space. And I was like, I could burn a freaking leaf in my kitchen. Like, I don't need Lily in here, you know? And then I was like, what the hell? I liked her last time. So I call her to come over and she's walking around and she's, you know, burning sage and she gets to my kitchen and she's like, oh my God, oh my God, you have to get rid of that. And I was like, what? She was like, your knife set, it's in your heart. It's in your heart chakra corner. It's in the corner of your, of your relate. Like this is the relationship corner of your house. There's knives there. And I'm like, I didn't know, like my house didn't come with a map, you know? 
So she made me move the knives. So she told me where to put them. Then she goes up to my bedroom and I had a painting on my wall that was very like strong woman-esque. Okay. It was like a, a beautiful um, black woman lounge singer from the thirties or forties, like singing into a microphone. It looked like she was screaming and I loved it. It was so strong. She's like, you got to take it off your wall. I, I take it off. I'm going to leave the room, take it off the wall and I'll come back in. And I was like, all right. Needless to say, I'm like, what did I just, what just happened here? Three days later, I met Spencer, my now husband. And I'm like, I'm going to give that to Lillian. That was all yeah. Lillian. Yeah. She took away, she okay. made you a little bit more vulnerable. <laughs> it was so funny how That's she freaked awesome. out about the knives. I'll never forget it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What an impact she had. That was a great investment. I can't find her now. She's not on Facebook anymore. Because oh, really I've wanted to like recommend her to people, even though yeah. I still think maybe it's, I don't know if it's real, um, but just the experience was so cool. I always mm -hmm. think that there's signs out there and you either choose to take them or we don't. And so whether, you know, you could have said, hell, I'm not doing that. Or when she left the house, you could have put the picture back up on the wall. You know, Do you know, I never... Nice. I never put it back up. My husband, I, I still have it. It's in my garage. Like for some reason I can't get rid of it. And I'm really good at throwing things away, but it sat in my garage in my townhouse. I never put it back up. Then it came with us to this house. And I, he's like, can we throw it away now or give it away? Just, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, no, I, I want it there. Like, it's a reminder. It's so great. Yeah, it's a reminder. Yeah. That's good though. That's a good I reminder. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> I also like what you said about in one of the first things to help people move through that notion of death and divorce. Um, because again, I, I am a silver lining type of girl. So I feel passionate about this as well. Um, dismantle, you know, yes, your divorce, is, your, your, your life as you knew it, or what you thought you had, or what you hoped that you had is now being dismantled. Mm -hmm. um, but when you dismantle, remember, it's just a chapter in your story. I always say divorce is a part of my story. It is not my entire story. Mm -hmm. It's just a little piece of it. So um, I, I like that phrasing, dismantling. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I liken it and I probably say this in every podcast to losing a job. Obviously losing a job is not as emotionally traumatic as a divorce. However, when you lose your job, you don't lose the job and decide, oh my God, I've lost a job. I'm never going to work again. My whole life is over. Uh, you know, forget working. It's not for me. I'm, I'm just going to shrivel up and die. No, you, you take the lessons. Okay. Maybe I wasn't as passionate at this job as I could have been because of X, Y, and Z. Maybe I'm really more uh, designed to do something else. You take the lessons and you move forward and you get out and find another job, you know, with ending a marriage is the same thing. Like that thing in your life didn't work out. That doesn't mean the other things can't work out. And so that's, that's how I relate it. Right. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you, Michelle, for being with us today and for your wonderful work with moms moving on. I know your community really does count on you. And we've heard great things about you from our podcast with you recently. So thanks for being here. And uh, we look forward to more conversations. And yeah, we look absolutely. forward to your book. If you want to tell us a little bit about that, you said next week we might have some good news on that. Okay. Yeah, so it will be available for pre-order next week, which will be the week of the first week of February. Um, 
If you go to my Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey, you will find a link in my bio to get on the list uh, to be able to get the information about pre-order. And um, there are other links there. You can listen to my podcast, Moms Moving On. You can join my Moms Moving On membership community, which is a really quickly growing community of women that have signed up. It's a low monthly fee of $9.99 to access all of my favorite divorce experts, resources from them. They get a free monthly workshop with me and another expert um, and, and obviously a sense of community through our private Facebook page, which is amazing. And yeah, that's what I've got going on. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank, you. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Thanks guys. Talk soon. Okay. okay. Bye.